0: Hello everyone, this is Mirko Guerrini and I welcome you to the Jazz Transcription Clinic, a monthly interviews podcast where we talk with accomplished jazz doctors about their lives, career and their personal secrets on the art of transcribing. If you want to improve at jazz, stay tuned and follow the Jazz Transcription Clinic on the socials for more content. I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, I pay my respects to their elders past and present and the aboriginal elders of other communities who may be here today hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the jazz transcription clinic Uh, guest doctor for today in the clinic is one of the most acclaimed canadian saxophone players and educators remy bolduc welcome remy and thanks for joining us for another episode. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, uh, Mirko, for inviting me. Now, uh, Rémy is uh, a very important figure in uh, Canadian jazz and North American jazz. Uh, he has played with a number of incredible people and he is also a very, very active educator and uh, also a very, very active jazz transcriber so i think i'm i'm very happy and and also very honored to have you as a guest on my podcast Uh, so thanks again for for joining thank you (laughs) um so i i've seen a lot of your videos on uh on youtube and i also try to study some of them uh Uh, some of them uh you know a little bit easier to approach but some of them are extremely difficult and I was impressed by the fact that sometimes you are not uh, scared even to transcribe different instruments from just the saxophone. Uh, recently I was watching that really great transcription of yours of uh, Olio applied by Joshua Redman and Brad Mildow and there is that, the whole transcription of the both uh, of the instruments that you that you made, so the first question for me to ask, and I'll, I'll be very curious, is why you do transcribe?
1: Okay, well, uh, first, I mean it changed over the years. I mean when I was younger, I uh, I learned jazz pretty much from listening to records. There was not much jazz uh, taught in the universities in, uh, in Quebec and now at the, in those days, in the, uh, in the end of the seventies, beginning of the eighties, you know, you, you, you had to lot, learn a lot from playing in the clubs and, uh, basically listening to record. So that's how I started listening to Charlie Parker transcribing, and then transcribing other players as well, just to understand, you know, what was happening. And I did that. And, uh, I guess uh, eventually, it, I mean, nowadays, it's more of, of a hobby, <laughs> honestly. You know, I transcribe, it's really a hobby. And now it's kind of a project I I took, you know, to transcribe the old Charlie Parker uh, uh, recording, you know, repertoire. But uh, other than that, it's sometimes personal challenges I give myself. It helps me, you know, to... To hear more things, it developed my ears, and uh, but also it is something I do for fun. I, I think that in life, I mean, uh, we tend to do things that we uh, we're good at. You know, if you're young and you're you're at school and you're good in sport, you'll tend to want to do more sports. You know, if you're good in music, it's like you do more music. You know, so when I started transcribing, I mean, it's of course it's challenging, but it was something that i felt you know was a bit easier for me than maybe other others around me you know and it kind of encouraged me to do it you know so same thing with playing the saxophone you know playing jazz improvisation i mean i felt you know that I had a certain talent you know and of course doesn't mean i didn't work hard but so basically my answer short answer would be that it, it kind of came uh, pretty easy to me and i i did it to learn but eventually You know, it developed into something else at my age now. I mean, when I listen to Charlie Parker, I don't need to write those solo. I mean, most of the time I know what he's playing. So I write it. It's for me, but for the community also, and to keep alive that part of his playing and to help people to recognize and understand his process, you know, So there is kind of like, since I'm teaching at McGill, I'm head uh, of the jazz department over there. And uh, it's important for me to to share, you know, that's part of teaching.
0: Yes. And you said you you started uh, very early, I mean, together with learning improvise, improvisation, uh, but you also said you have been encouraged to do that. So was it your teacher at that time that encouraged you and suggested you should transcribe some jazz solos? And what did you expect to bring home? Like what did you expect to achieve? From its right. transcription. You
1: know, it's not actually uh, my teachers or my peers that encourage me to do that. I, uh, When I was 15, I was playing in some bands, playing, you know, a professional band, but not jazz, you know, dance and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember having to learn. I mean, I remember in high school learning the uh, in the mood solo because we we're playing in the band. And that version, the the band...
0: And there was no uh,
1: solo part in that arrangement, yeah. so I transcribed the solo, and I told my teacher I can play, you know, the, the whole solo, and I, that was kind of like, you know, one of the first one. And then one of a friend of mine, yeah, at the time that Luc Beaugrand, taught me about improvisation and told me I should listen to Charlie Parker, so I listened to that, and I just, you know, wanted to know what he was playing so I just learned it on the sax now yeah so uh, yeah so it's just something that came natural for me and do you have perfect pitch no I don't no I don't at all and, uh, you. So, yeah but I don't I mean you know I mean when I transcribe I mean I don't use my instrument because I just basically put it right on the piano on the you know I I listen and I put it down. But I mean, sometimes when it's chords and that kind of thing, I mean, it takes me forever, you know? And, uh, and I'm sure there is tons of mistakes in what I do. But I think that's important for someone that wants to transcribe, to not scare away from making mistakes. I mean, it's more about the process. You know, you, you get better if I revisit some yeah. of my yeah. old transcription, I probably find, find a lot of mistakes. And that's okay. I'm not scared of that. It doesn't bother yeah. me.
0: Yeah, so this is an interesting point because um, to me, I remember I first uh, started transcribing because my teacher at that time said, oh, "If you want to learn, you know, the the jazz language, if you want to improve your even your timing, your tone, your articulation, you should transcribe." So I started doing that, but I was terrible at, at, at the start. When I started, my first solos were full of mistakes, as you said. But then I, I kept doing and doing and doing it. And I got to the point where I don't have perfect pitch either, but I am now able to transcribe any like saxophone solo without the saxophone. Because maybe I have developed a sort of... Uh, good relative pitch especially for saxophones right now if i transcribe like a guitar solo maybe i have to check the notes here and there uh but with the saxophone especially tenor which is the one who i transcribe the most uh, with tenor i i just hear the notes because the sound each note becomes a unique sound with a unique color so well you you have more ear than me (laughs) <laughs> no no i i just you know developed by doing it and doing and doing and doing it it's, it's a real trial and error process uh, but it was the
1: same for me i mean when i started i i made mistakes and i did solos i remember trying to transcribe i want to talk about you john Drink cadenza when i was in you know one of my first solos there was no way i could transcribe that you know but i mean there was nobody there to tell me it was wrong or right i just yeah. figured it was too hard for me so I moved to a easier solo and then once in a while came back you know then left I remember doing uh John Coltrane on March on the album enter starters enter stellar space and uh it took me like a few time to go back to it eventually I'm like okay I can start figure it out now with all the false fingering overtones and how it works you know but uh but that never discouraged me. Like it, it did not for you either. It just, you know, it's part of the process. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. one uh, one important thing for me is that, I mean, you'll hear many great players. I heard great players saying, uh, and uh, we often have guests at McGill, and many of, not many, but some of them would say, uh, "Don't transcribe, ever." You know, you should not transcribe. I mean, I noticed that in music, there is two. Uh, element that are pretty polarizing, it's transcription and metronome. Like, you'll have players saying never transcribe or you should transcribe or never play with the metronome or always play with the metronome. It's like those two things, people get very uh, emotive (laughs) (laughs) about that, you know? And and I understand. I mean, some great players... They never transcribe, but of course they listen to music, and they often played with great players, and they have great ear, you know. So they just listen, and sometimes they'll sing or they'll play along, and that's enough for them. And uh, and I met, yeah, I mean, players like Joe Lovano. Yeah, Joe Lovano yeah. said in a master class, never transcribe, you know. But I remember I was teaching at Banff and Joe was teaching there as well, and he told the uh, the student, he said, never ever transcribe. And uh, after I asked him at dinner, I say, so you never transcribe? You say, no, but I listen to a lot of music yeah. and I can sing like many solos, like Charlie Parker's solo. Well, I said, that's a kind of transcription, right? Like if I can sing a solo, I can play it. I mean, yeah. I, I do Gio Lovano, so you can do it too. So, you know, sometimes it could misleading misleading for somebody that doesn't have that level of a ear, you know. Some, some of us need to, you know, like uh, there was somebody that came at McGill, said, never transcribe it. Check this out. He said, never transcribe to the student. And uh, he said, I never transcribe. And he's a very good player, you know. And uh, he said, but, but let me try something. There is a solo of Clifford Brown that I like to listen to, and I never played it. And he took his instrument and he played it. You say for the first time. Okay. I mean, can you do that? <laughs> you know, it's like you never you transcribe it. You just remember it and you played it. I mean, yeah, if you can do that, you don't need to transcribe So sometimes uh, I, I just want to say that you don't need to transcribe, you know. Not everybody needs to. And uh, it's like you don't – I mean, I made great players. I met great players never, that never played with a metronome. And they, they're amazing. And older players, you know, very good, you know. Uh, a piano player that played with Roy Haynes he said I never play with a metronome you go on stage and you know you try to get the right groove you know and I can totally understand that it depends you know if you live in a small town you're all by yourself you never play with great musicians you don't hear great music you don't listen to music you never transcribe never practice with a metronome <laughs> chances are you're gonna be uh, stuck uh,
0: at your level you know what I mean yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, transcribing I is, no. is not a it's not a faith or uh, it's not a religion. You know that we. It's not, and some people
1: uh, Yeah, some people think it is for me because I transcribe hundreds of solo, but it's really not. You know? Like, it's really not. It's just for me. Really, it's something I enjoy to do. It's a it's a hobby too, and uh, you know. But it is not hurtful. But one thing I'll tell the young musicians out there just keep your mind open meaning transcription and jazz we often refer to transcribing a solo but transcription is more than that transcription is like you get called for a gig and you have to learn 40 tunes for next week and this band doesn't have any charts you need to learn the tunes from the record that's transcribing <laughs> yeah. uh, you you get to call as a horn player you say come play in my band there is sax and trumpet here listen to this and you do an arrangement you get to transcribe a big band or five horns and then arrange it. So there is trans Oh, you want to learn a standard, uh, and you want to learn it not from the Facebook. You want to learn it from a record. So no one, I never heard anybody say, don't listen to a record if you want to learn a tune. They're all going to say, you know. So yeah. when it comes to solo, it's a bit more sometimes you know, uh, people have different opinion, but transcription is really very helpful uh, as far as uh, being a pro, you know, and then you hear more, more what's happening around you. You hear a chord, you know what it is, you know, and <laughs> stuff like that, Yeah,
0: you know? It's funny know that it's you, fun. you quoted Joe Lovano because he's also the one who says never practice with a metronome, you know, but I mean, then... then <laughs> and he's amazing, you know, and of course... He's unbelievable, but yeah. then you get... Like uh, people like Dave Douglas, when he came out to Melbourne a few years ago, he gave a two hours masterclass at the Monash University where I teach, and it was two hours masterclass on how to use the metronome. You know, and it was amazing. It was beautiful. You know, to, to hear such a great musician talking. This is you know how I practice, and I think the point here is that. It's even the learning process, of course, it's a very personal one. And we never, you know, fall into believing that there is one truth, you know. That's not one truth. Everyone has his own approach. And I think also this podcast is highlighting the fact that every single person that I'm interviewing has a different approach. Luckily, so far, no one told me, oh, never transcribe. This podcast is a fraud. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, also
1: when I hear somebody like Joe or whoever, you know, is saying, for instance, if somebody tells me, never use a metronome. What, in my head, I'm hearing from him, I never use the Mitchell. Yes. I'm translating, you know. Somebody say, you should never transcribe. I'm hearing, I never transcribe. So yes. I'm curious. Yes. So what did you do, you know? So I turn it like that. I don't, it doesn't become an argument, you know? How come you say that? Some people do it, you know? Uh, so I'm more interested about how de you know, how you how did you do it, you know? Like you hear Julivano practicing a scale, you know, he played a scale for me, it's like, you know, it's like you know, he plays a scale like totally rubato and beautiful. And that's the we practice scale. So it's very interesting because he's such a lyrical player. And you can hear in this playing, that's part of his approach, you know. And other people are very, you know, like Chris Potter is very oh metric and you know rhythmic doesn't mean he practiced with a metronome but his approach is different you know yeah. the kind of yeah. thing he practiced and all that so that's interesting but
0: also i, I remember that when Gio Lovano published that album called celebrating sinatra yes uh, based on you know songs that sinatra used to sing i remember i can't remember whether it was an interview or inside the liner notes he says whenever i want to learn a song I try to see whether Frank sang that note and I learn from him. So, he might, you know, this is a little contradiction because to me, that's transcribing. You know, if you want to learn a song and you go to a singer and you listen to that song like 50 times till the point where you can start playing it, that's transcribing to me it's like memori- I mean, memorizing the sound memorizing the intervals the rhythm and then being able to replicate what you what you heard
1: i mean you have to keep in mind that you know when somebody like uh, like when i asked him why not you know he said he did not want the kids to learn a solo and go on stage and try to replicate you know and uh sometime somebody would say don't use a metronome because a band is you know it's organic. Sometimes it, you don't want to go there and just try to play too strict. So I think I mean the way I see it. I mean I've been teaching you know for I don't know thirty something years. You know, so I'm a pedagogue. You know, I I got to my like you you need to give the students the young, young musician different perspective. But when you're a player you don't, you haven't teach that much. <laughs> not, not as much as somebody like me. You know what I mean? Like I've been teaching a lot, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so you, you, your approach as a player is pretty much like what you do, you know, it's not yeah. like, like I used when I was younger, I used to teach what I did, but as you get older and more experienced, you teach differently. You don't necessarily teach what you do. You teach what you think the kid would need at that Moment in their life, so it's kind of more, you know. So you have to keep that in mind, you know. You you meet people that are like Jerry Burganzi, you know, is a real like uh, experienced teacher. So his way of approaching is very open. Like you, you can do this or that. You always say yes to all the answers. Would you do, would you practice? uh Would you transcribe a solo with your sax? Would you just sing it? Would you write it? Would you not write it? Would you do it in different key? You say. Yes, to all those answers, do it all. You know, everything is good. You know, and I, 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 I believe in that philosophy. You know, so and so that's okay. I mean, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, Rémi. Yeah. How do you choose the solos you transcribe?
1: Well, I mean, in in terms of the, the one I've been doing lately, I'm doing Charlie Parker. Actually, I got the, all the recordings of Charlie Parker in the, some folders in order. From beginning to the end. And that was from a, a great pianist and drummer in Montreal called Andre White. And I think he got those from Pata Barbara. Oh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so so close when the I the Yeah, exactly. So when I received that, I'm like, because you know, Charlie Parker, there is a lot of bootlegs and different records. It's hard to what comes where. And actually, some of the, I'm checking out some recording, sometimes they're almost a tone off. You know, they they put them on record and something happened, like in the speed of the recording, they're really off-key, you know. So uh, I go through that and I also restore the recording using a program, you know, trying to make them sound a bit better. And uh, so that just kind of got me going where I I decided to transcribe them all in order, you know. So I did like 300-something so far. And uh, so that's the way I did those. Otherwise, before... Like I did a drum solo, uh, Brian Blade this year, and that was just a challenge, you know. It's very hard for me to do that. And I figured, you know, I was teaching improvisation and drummers have to transcribe a drum solo. And I figured I'll do it too, you know. And uh, so that was a challenge. The one you talked about with Bran Meldow and Joshua Mann, that was a challenge. Saxophone solo for me, of course, it's pretty easy. Mm. But piano is difficult, you know. Yeah. And uh, I did some McCoy, some Herbie, you know, Chick and transcribing uh, Hank Jones, you know. Uh, so those are more challenging, and so basically I do it for the challenge.
0: Okay. So, uh, of course, I believe also you like what you hear. You want to you yeah. know, transcribe. I think so. Do I like? <laughs> Yeah, that's usually my first recommendation. When when a student asks me, uh, what solo should I transcribe? I say, anything you like. Yeah. Because if you have to spend hours and hours listening uh, like 500 times to something that it doesn't resonate with you, mm, (laughs) that's a hard time that you are giving to yourself. Unless you, you want to take a hard challenge uh, but yes that that's uh, I believe that when you pick a solo it's also because you know you like what you hear and maybe uh, you want to understand a little bit better what's yeah behind yeah, of
1: course. Yes. yeah there, there, there is
0: some of that uh the one with uh, brown melda
1: i'm like wow that's the written changes what is he doing you know yeah. so it's interesting to uh and here and i like to i hear a chord and i'm like wow what is that chord you know i find that very interesting uh, to transcribe it you know and yeah. to f- try to figure it out you know and uh, yeah that's part of the process for sure
0: and- so, now to, to start going into a more practical side uh, of the questions. Uh, what methodology do you uh, put in place when you transcribe and do you use like any software or do you write it immediately when you transcribe or, or first you learn it from memory and then you write it down? You take four bars, one line, one phrase, two bars. So explain uh, what is your process? What is your methodology?
1: Right. So it depends. Like right now, I'm doing it differently than I did try different ways, you know. So I definitely, at one point, I remember singing a Charlie Parker solo. And when I could sing it, then take my horn and play it, you know. That takes some time, but that was something I wanted to do. Uh, and other times where I would uh, transcribe, but one bar at a time, and m- make sure I played it. You know, just played it as I moved along, yeah, not transcribe too quickly, so I actually practice the solo. And when I could play it, I keep moving forward. That's when I was younger. Now, in those days. Like uh, I'm most interested to just write it down, and I'm very quick at it. You know, if I make coffee, I have my toast in the morning. I have time to transcribe. Also, solo, put it online before I take a bite. That's
0: you know? a perfect <laughs> breakfast.
1: So I'm, you know, 20 minutes. It's it's done. You know, yeah. uh, so but so I don't I don't just sing it. So what I do actually, there is a video. I made a video online. On my channel where you can see i explain exactly what software and how i do it you know uh, but basically uh, i use a program called transcribe that's a, a software that uh, enable you to open wave files and uh, put uh, markers to see where the bars are so i can lay down the form with the bars uh so i start with that i usually open the recording make sure it's in tune it's in the right you know in those old recordings sometimes it's not you can adjust the pitch of the whole thing and uh once that's done i use a program called finale it's like sibelius attention program so i got yeah. finale on the top of my computer transcribe on the bottom and then i organize my finale page you know open the page put staffs and if it's let's say Donnelly, i put the chords in everything is there so then i just basically start the recording listen i mean with parker i can usually listen at least one bar one bar and i, I just write it yeah so probably what up. So I write probably what up and i'm quick at it because so i don't have to look forever for the notes uh yeah. some i mean when it's fast sometimes i could slow it down you know if it's very fast and unclear then i would you know, but usually I do it at the regular speed, you know, uh, unless it's too fast. Yeah. Uh, if you do it slower, you have to be careful because the rhythms could be uh, slower is good, not too slow <laughs> because you'll yeah, start to yeah. hear notes that are not actually played. A sax for instance, could play a B and a C, but if it's not perfectly in sync, you'll hear C sharp in the middle. Yeah. And if you go... Vr- you'll start to hear all kinds of notes. Like you'll hear too many notes. So it's good to have a certain speed. And then when it comes down to rhythm, then I usually put it at the right speed because with the layback feel and everything, slow, sometimes you don't get the right flow, you know. And uh, so, yeah. So, and then, so I use different programs. I use Transcribe. Uh, when it's for saxophone, I don't need anything else. I could use other programs if I'm doing piano and I find it very difficult to hear then basically i'm just very good at cheating you know my goal is to do it as quickly as possible that's my goal right now i don't want to spend like three weeks on a salon like okay so if i can't there is a program i'll use sometime uh there is different one one is called anthem score anthem, anthem like national anthem Is there somewhere i can write so you can see those things or the chat or
0: okay yeah i will put also in the description of the podcast
1: if i open chat like that can you see it if i write the the name of it okay so that one is called anthem score you see that yeah yeah like national anthem Anthem yeah so this Basically, I mean, if you put the whole song, it takes forever. But sometimes I'll take one chord and then port it in that program, and that program will show you uh, notes. Like it's kind of like Transcribe does that; it guesses the note in the bottom. I don't. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that program. No. Transcribe. No. Uh, I mean. Do you want me to show some stuff or just talking about it? What, what what's
0: better? uh You can yeah, you can talk and explain it as much. Okay, as I'll you explain. Are.
1: So yeah. basically, uh, Transcribe has a keyboard
0: in the bottom,
1: and when you highlight a chord, the keyboard would have dots over the notes that are being played. Except there is a way too many notes because the drums are notes. Everything is a note, so it's like tons of notes. But sometimes, you know, the main note, sometimes that could be helpful. Sometimes you hear, you see a note, there's like, wow, I didn't hear that note, you know. Uh, so sometimes it's helpful. But Anthem Score is better at that. It'll remove some of the notes that are not notes. It's not perfect, of course, but it's definitely helpful to double-check something sometimes. It's like, okay, all right, I hear that note. Because there is natural overtones in piano. Sometimes if, if it's a live recording, you know, a pianist would know, he said, say, oh no, that's impossible. He would not repeat that note. That's not the piano voicing that we like. A pianist that fifty you hear is in harmonic, you know? And so that's why it's good to not be scared to make mistake because when I do a transcription, if a pianist look at it, he tells me, look, that's not right. I'm like, great, you know? <laughs> Tell me, you know, I want to know. You know, so I don't mind, and I'm learning as I go. Uh, Another program I'll use is called Isotope. Isotope. This program I use it to to restore, recording, remove background noises. You mean Rx is the
0: name. Yeah. By Isotope is the brand. Is the R X? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. R X eight.
1: I'm using Isotope R X eight there is yeah. something there called music rebalance music and uh, what that does you can remove like you can say remove uh drums remove or just keep the drum or just keep the bass or just remove vocal like it enable you to remix a stereo mix mm-hmm. it's not perfect
0: does it work with jazz too yeah because yeah. I, I've been trying another software called Neural Mix. I don't know that one. Uh, no. And it does the same. So you can remove the voice, you can remove the harmony, you can remove the rhythm section from a track. Can you
1: <coughs> the name I want to no. know?
0: Yeah, Neural Mix. Uh, but, mm. but so far, I was only able to <coughs> work okay. with uh, like pop tracks. Right. Uh, so I tried with a, even with a singer, you know, jazz singer in a in a quartet. Sometimes it doesn't pick, you know, just the voice. I well, guess I mean,
1: it's not good enough to do a track that you're going to be using live. You know? yeah. <laughs> it could be, you know, but still, I mean, sometimes you'll hear things you don't hear. I mean, I thought it was. I mean, if I take a Parker recording, it's so old. I mean if i just listen to what is supposed to be the saxophone i'll hear bass and drums in there too you know but i could lower the drum sound it would remove those big bass drum boom boom sometime on those old recordings and it make it more enjoyable to listen to but i did use it on drum solo like you know just take a culturing solo and i say solo drums and uh it was pretty impressive, I tell you. Like uh, I sent that to some drummers, like, "Wow, what's that?" You know, that's that program. Did you had to change anything? No, I just said solo drum. Click on the on the button, and it did it. And yeah, there was some leaking, and the, but I mean, it and could it help music you.
0: rebalance. You are talking about music yeah. rebalance.
1: Okay. The problem it's like a vocal, bass, drums, and then. Sax and piano are together, you know. Yeah. So if it's a quartet, you cannot say just piano, you know. But still, you know. So sometimes I'll use that if I'm like having a hard time. Like when I did the drum transcription, I used some of it, you know, uh, to, uh, to hear more clearly if it's some drums behind, you know, other uh, uh, instruments. you know. So that's something. There is another program called Melodyne. Have you heard about that one?
0: Yeah, that works on Pro Tools, right?
1: Yeah, and I just I just use it as itself. I mean, this is one program, again, that you can fix notes if you do a recording, even a live recording, yeah. and the piano or saxophone make a wrong note, you can move that note. So, again, you see the notes. Yeah. Sometimes if you have a chord, you can look at it and, and say, you know, except, again, there is way too many notes, you know. You know i mean i don't use it that much you know but i mean those are programs that i have i use more those programs. programming i use more to fix uh, a recording i did for my live gig or something that i want to keep and i can fix a third alto made a mistake you know second alto made a mistake sorry and i can fix that note uh, sometimes stuff like that i would say the program i usually stay with transcribe and sometimes use for piano the one i use the most is anthem score
0: yeah Good. good. Uh, There are are some good tips here for all our listeners. Uh, I guess you have already answered to the question whether you write it down immediately or not. We have already talked, so I will skip that question. Uh, Do you practice the solos you transcribe or you just move on once you have finished with one transcription?
1: It depends. I mean, uh, when I was younger again, Yes, 100% for sure. You know, I would practice, take me forever. I mean, you know, Coltrane, Marsh, solo took me like, you know, I transcribe uh, some uh, uh, Arnett Coleman solo crazy fast stuff, you know, eventually and stuff like that. And, and uh, very hard to play and I practiced it mm-hmm. until I could play it. And I transcribed some piano solo at the time. And uh, I practiced the top note, you know, just try to play it and I used to basically spend a lot of time to learn those solos you know so they, I did nowadays I mean in those days I'm actually reading through the Parker you know uh, I did I finished that first volume that's like 600 pages you know of solos so I'm just oh. putting it on and I just read you know I mean I don't need to practice it that much if I play a Parker solo maybe some parts but most of it mm-hmm. I can just play you know
0: yeah. uh, are I, you, you know. are you going to publish uh those I'm solos thinking,
1: i'm not sure you know i mean honestly uh i'm not sure <laughs> you know I, I mean it's all online it's all uh, you can go on youtube and hear all the solos they are in order with the recordings the audio and i i mean i i'm thinking maybe i mean that would be many volumes i mean just the first part there probably 10 you know i'm thinking to print it out and just give it to mcgill you know and then it's more available if mcgill digitalize it so it's available so when i pass away it's not gone from my computer and that's it you know what i mean it's like there is a lot of solos i have i and i don't feel that comfortable to sell you know somebody else's solos even if i could sometimes i you know what i mean it's not i don't know i just it's not something i feel that comfortable with i mean i'm a teacher i I I you know I make a living I I don't want to I don't know <laughs> I understand
0: <laughs> you know, people ask me, you know. I think it's just something that you can do to make uh transcribing which we love doing also uh a bit profitable you know you you can uh, or maybe even as you said you know you you uh like do it as a donation to an institution and then it's there available for the people. Yeah, I it's
1: want it's a lot of work, you know, to transcribe. Yeah, I mean, but I understand it totally. I mean, I have some friends that uh, publish and, and uh, do books and, and whatnot. Maybe one day I'll, I want to do it. But even that, that's a bit time-consuming for me. And, uh, you know, I'm full-time uh, in the university, a full-time professor, you know. Yeah. So I don't, uh, I, it's not something I'm not, you know, it depends on your situation. For me, uh, I just, I, I enjoy it a lot. <laughs>
0: that's great that's good um, so I think you you sort of uh, talked about this at the beginning of our episode about the fact that sometimes I heard people or even students saying oh is it transcribing a good thing because sometimes I feel like I'm copying someone else. I don't want to sound as someone else. So I want to uh, keep original. So this is why I never transcribe. Now my personal reaction is that that person is a bit lazy maybe or has never you know developed the skill of transcribing at a faster pace so he gets overwhelmed by the experience and decides to give up transcribing right. and makes an excuse that oh I want to keep you know my playing as fresh as possible and personal and original. Uh, so have you ever felt that you were uh, going towards that danger of becoming a replica of someone else? no
1: and uh, i always transcribed i always transcribed many players you know and uh it just uh, never happened to me i would say that uh when you hear an argument when some when some players say i don't want to transcribe it's usually not because they don't want to sound like somebody else they don't want to transcribe because They don't need to transcribe, but they want to listen to a lot of music because the thing is transcribing is just writing down what you hear. So it is saying, I don't want to transcribe because I'm going to start to sound like Charlie Parker. It would be saying, I don't want to sound like Charlie Parker, therefore I will not listen to him. And I will not listen to Coltrane. And I won't listen to nobody because I want to be personal. Then I would say the great musician that I met that did not transcribe listen to a lot of music they were never scared to listen to go live and listen to joe henderson and the time and you know sonny Rollins and whoever they could listen and the records and it was never an issue oh i'm gonna sound too much i like call train if i listen to him too much so transcribing is a bit the same you know it's like listening except you write it down i mean so when somebody tells me uh, if that's what they do i would say well, maybe you maybe when you transcribe that you do too much of it maybe that's all what you do because i transcribe in the morning but i mean the rest of the day i practice all kind of things different rhythms different harmony different technical ideas i learn new tunes i do so many other things so i don't have time to sound like that morning solo you know but if all you do is play that solo and then you go on stage and you try to play it then yeah, you know, but that doesn't mean you should not ever transcribe. But if you don't want to, don't. But I would say don't close your ears to listen to great musicians. You know, there was a lot of history before you. You know, you want to learn what happened,
0: you know. And one sort of common thread that is coming out from the podcast is that whenever professional players have tried to use a, a phrase or a leak. Uh, that is coming from a transcription in one of their live performances, it's always not coming out too well or is not uh, the effect that you would have hoped for, Uh, because in that moment you can't simply take something and put it in a context that is completely different from the origin of that phrase or that So. This is important to remember, but I also want to add that um, those people uh, that are saying they never transcribe, I suspect that uh, you are 100% right when you say they don't write it down, but they listen to a lot of music. So, in a sense, they transcribe as well, or if if they don't think that they are transcribing, I mean, when they play, And when we all play, especially jazz and improvised music, what we do is actually to transcribe what you have in your head in that moment. You hear a line, and then you are able to transfer that sound that you can imagine because it's somewhere there, and you can transfer it to your instrument. So that's a kind of real transcription of yourself.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Every time, hundred percent with you on that. You know, same with sound. When you imitate the sound when you're younger, I would listen to somebody cannonball and try to sound that cannonball. Then you start to be able to do that a bit, because that helps you after to play the sound that you have in your head. You know that process. You hear something and you do it. Sometimes by starting by imitating a bit. You know. I think, uh, I mean, the thing with improvisation is the same with technique. I have many students, they would work on different patterns and different scales and whatnot. And the question is always, how do you use it? How does you know, how do you do to be able to integrate those sounds in your playing? Same thing with uh, improvisation, you know, with transcription. I mean, uh, how do you integrate it? I would say, I mean, I tried many techniques, you know, but I would say ultimately at the end, just the process of learning different ideas under your fingers and to transcribe or learn solos and all that, I have faith that it just makes me a better player. So I'm not trying to play it, you know? I'm not trying, I don't have to, you know? It just eventually make you a more rounded player. You're a better sax player if you are better on your instrument by being able to transpose any ideas. So if you, even if you don't play that line or that scale, you're getting better at transposing everything and and all that. It just gives you something. And uh, so it's not sometimes direct, you know. If you try to do it too directly, as you say, you're playing and then you play a lick. But then it's like, oh, what am I going to say now? Because you kind of lost the flow, you know. So you want to follow a flow when you improvise an idea and develop it if you insert, you know. But mind you, I heard players that could do that and did it quite well, you know. Players that played their licks and they, they, they're good at it. You know, they sounded. I mean, Parker played his licks. Yes. <laughs> well, no. you know, he put them together in different way, but he played and, you uh, in a way, he used some of the same vocabulary. And I was having a conversation with Jerry Berganzi about that. And Jerry said, Imagine a player that has unlimited vocabulary. He can play anything, anytime on his instrument, you know. It's never the same. You say you probably would never recognize that player. You would not yes. have any identity. It would be like, who's this player? I have no idea. I never heard him before. You know, so to repeat yourself, to have certain things that you do,
0: it's what yes. makes you, you know, and I thought that was very, you know, deep. You know? And Dave lidman once told me at a lesson that the vocabulary of one player, it can be reduced to like 10 main ideas yeah i've heard him say that too yeah mm-hmm. and i was shocked when he said that because i said nah that's impossible i mean you take like Sonny Rollins, school train you know clifford brown and there's more than 10 ideas but then you start transcribing them and the more you do now you are doing like the opera omnia on parker but if you take any player and you do even if you do only like 3 4 solos of that player you start seeing and you start counting and it's oh that's number 1 oh here it is number 1 oh next track oh there is three number 1 and two number 2 phrases and you can hear and to me what is great is to see the ability of the player to take the number one idea and to make it sound as 10 different things every time is a little bit different but the core of the idea is the same
1: and also those 10 things it's not only in line sometimes that player the way the rhythm you use sometimes the we bend the note the way you go towards the bottom you know so there is like few things too like that that you recognize somebody when somebody does that oh yeah that, i remember that player left. you hear that you know so the note could be different but the shape is the same and stuff like that you know and yeah that's i remember david demon saying
0: that in the master class and you also must have developed the skill of reading my mind, because that <laughs> was the next question, how to incorporate you know, what you right. transcribe into your playing. Uh, do you have any particular exercise that you usually recommend? Or you I just have say, I mean,
1: play? I tried so many, you know. Like, OK, I'll give a... Right now, I take a line that I like, and I compose a study with it, a, a study that's not in the tune, and uh, I put them online. You can find them on Facebook. I have a link there. And I have like a, a bunch of those. So this way, that line, I make it more my own. Uh, I'll take uh, uh, somebody's solo, a line that I like, and uh, I'll kind of adapt it so I can hear, let's say, in a cadenza, let's say 2-5. And I have a list of tunes that if I play those tunes, uh, I cover 12 key minor, 12 key majors and I can do it you know in 10 minutes you know so I do that sometime I would uh, in the days take a line of course transpose it uh improvise start with the line try to go somewhere else and different things like that you know but at the end even if I do all this and I enjoy doing it you know when I play live I'm not sure if I have any, ever use, that, uh, use them if I don't think about it. But again, I don't care about that. I mean, I'm just, if you tell me, okay, here, me take this line. I take my horn. I learn the line. I'm just much faster at saying, okay, here it is in 12 keys. You know, okay, here I can play it in all the things where I can play it in key, I can I can do it, you know, not on the spot, but some lines, yes, I can do it on the spot. And it doesn't mean I will play that line, but means if I improvise a line, I can transpose it, I can hear it in different places. Yeah, I'm just getting better at that. I think the skill of transposition uh, is very important for an improviser and uh, to hear different chromatism. And so eventually you just become better at that by doing this. So that's why, you know. So I don't care so much now. But when you're younger, uh, I used to take specific lines and really learn them in 12 keys, try to play them in tunes. And when you start, you don't have that much vocabulary. So you pretty much sometimes have to use those, you know. But the more you develop your vocabulary, eventually you're able to make it through tunes without having to think about that. So the new uh, things that you look at will go in, but, you know, sometimes they don't, but you just get better at uh, have more vocabulary, basically. You know, I mean, yeah. that's my answer. I never found the perfect method to say it just comes out like, you know, here it is. Some people do it better than others. Me, I never felt natural when I did that. I always felt out of the, the my mindset when I improvise. I don't like the way I feel if I start to do a line like that. I'm more like... A, when I play live, I like to listen. Like, for instance, I'm never in the monitor. If I do a record, I'm not in the headphones. I don't like to listen to myself that much. I want to listen to the others and then react to that. And so I don't want to think too much about what I'm doing, you know. And uh, that's kind of the way I do it, you know. So starting to think about putting a line here and there, it does, yes. just doesn't. Right? But, I mean, I'm not against the idea when some people do it, you know. If they do it well, I'm like, wow, you know, (laughs) because I I love when people do it different things, different ways. You know, I find that's interesting. Not everybody's the same.
0: No, I yeah, I do agree. Like Michael Brecker plays
1: some lines, right? Like some lines like he have on his fingers, you have some stuff he plays, you know, like often, and it sounds great, you know. And he plays some motifs sometimes. You can tell he worked on them. Yeah. And you put them in a the solo and it sounds very good. Like, I can never do that. But I love, you know, the way it sounds, you know. I'm like, wow, you know, I transcribe a lot of Michael Brecker. I'm like, wow, this is awesome, you know. But yeah. other players, you don't say, Joe Lovano. oh, you always play this line, this motif. He's not kind of like that. It's more like abstract in his approach, you know. It's a different type of player. With Chris Potter, you hear motif. You can say, oh, he's doing that here grouping of five and that's a motif yeah. uh, down by tone the down, down by semitone. you can hear it you can donny McCastan too has motif you know uh, so it, it depends on the player everybody sounds different you know and i, I enjoy to see the way you learn and the way we approach it make you sound
0: unique basically yeah I do agree completely, and I remember... Your argument here tonight, (laughs) a miracle. (laughs) uh, Like uh, you mentioned Michael Brecker, and uh, I remember uh, a masterclass, a workshop uh, with him, and he was the fastest player I have ever heard being able to transpose any line in any key in a in an eye blink and huh. i remember he was doing it so fast that one of the students asked him like why you play, why you play so fast you know we are we are we are humans <laughs> these students say so and and Brecher said you know i don't know but i have to do it fast I don't. I don't have a reason. I know. I know. I. I would love to, you know, slow it down a little bit. But after a while, it's like I can't control my fingers anymore. It was funny. It was a different angle, you know. That well, you I could. remember, like I played uh, with Ben Monder, the guitar player, yep, yep.
1: and Ben yep. plays some uh, solo music that's very hard to play on guitar, right? Yep. And I, I, I remember in the days. He used to practice so much, you know, like very, I mean, serious amount of hours a day, you know. And I tell him, wow, why do you write music that's so hard to play? You know, he say, I have to practice that much to be able to play that music, you know, yeah. because yeah. it's so hard. And uh, I say, why, you know, he say, I want to, but, you know, that's what I hear, you know. You know, and that's a simple answer. I mean, that's what, the, that's what it is. That's in his head. That's yeah. it. You know.
0: Sometimes to... you can help yourself. Uh, that's what you you he has so to you do it. To Yes,
1: you can force. You know, you do. You know, you play a certain way, and you just yeah. want better at playing. You know, so that's it. You know, you're not there to play what everybody wants you to play. You, you want to develop your your personality.
0: Yeah. So we are towards the end yeah. of our episode. I have the last question, which is the dumb question that I ask to all my guests and with you it would be interesting because you have a massive massive library of solos that you transcribed so the question is which of the solos you transcribe is your favorite and why <laughs> I know it's it's hard to reply but just for the for fun just try mm-hmm. to name a couple of solos and give us a couple of reasons
1: well i mean you know you're right i transcribe so many i mean <laughs> the, the answer that comes to mind it's the uh, this morning i transcribed busy from from uh, parker from uh, may 8 1947 and yesterday i think i did two or three version of of Cheryl that he did and i would say those are right now my favorite <laughs> because uh, when i played them i took my horn and played them and i just helped me to make sense of music it just made me sound better like after i started to improvise my music which is completely different and it, i just made me it's kind of like made the more abstract ideas more simple more concrete it just it's, it's something, it's an inspiration that I'm writing right now some studies that are very modern, you know, and I don't use a horn. I sing and I write it down, you know. da 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 I write it down. I could not do that before. And it's just since I do Parker, it's funny how Parker is more inside and it makes me hear things, you know, differently. So right now, I guess the one I'm doing, I find that, those are my favorite yeah I I mean if I go back I mean I did others in the past but I just find they're they're the one that's staying with me I guess they're fresh but I find it amazing yeah I, I find Parker the most inspiring uh solos that I did like the one that bring me the most not because I the notes I know the notes and I don't know there is something when you put yourself into it as much as I've been doing there is something in there that's magic you know that kind of it goes through you and then when you play suddenly you feel you have more ideas more you feel better you know there is something very inspiring and uh, about that you know and I find that surprising because I heard so much of it before but I never transcribe as much as I did now and it's something very inspiring and of course, I learned a lot I mean I I'm not going to go on, uh, but I learned things that I don't think you could figure out if you just transcribe one solo. I did so many I could see night after night I mean sometime I did fifteen yeah. solo of that one evening all in order, fifteen solo a night, you know so I can really see what happened, how we developed live, you know, not in a practice room because he was doing like twenty five tunes a night every day in wow. that period. So he doesn't have much time to practice. But between, the, you can hear how he evolved night after night just from playing. And that's right. inspiring too. Just playing. You take a tune, play, 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 you know, and you'll evolve. You don't need to write everything and figure out everything sometime. Just play. And something going to come out, you know. I find that inspiring too. So that was uh, my, uh, my answer would be Charlie Parker, uh, the 8th, May 8th. When he came back from uh, California in New York, recording with Miles Davis, Don Lee, and all that—that session—you know—that's where I'm at right now. I find that very inspiring. Thank you,
0: thank you, Remy, and it's a uh, has been an, a real pleasure to talk to you today. And I will put all the references and also your uh, website and your actually YouTube
1: the website channel. is so you have to go on Facebook to see all my stuff now. We'll and, but i have youtube you can uh, youtube i got hundreds of videos on there
0: we will go on facebook and i will put the youtube channel details in the podcast description uh thanks again for being with us as a guest doctor for the clinic today uh remy paul duc ladies and gentlemen and we hear each other next time bye thank you bye 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 everyone